Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hi listeners, Simon von Bromley here. Just a quick note to say that since this podcast was recorded, Victoria has released a statement seeking to clarify details of Thomas de Gent's crash. According to the Italian tyre manufacturer, the failure was a result of de Gent's front wheel impacting a rock and breaking the rim. The crash was, Victoria claims, unrelated to the fact de Gent was using hookless rims. Victoria's statement also sought to reaffirm the compatibility of its Corsa Pro TLR tyre with hookless rims, saying that it underwent extensive testing during development, including with Zips 353 NSW wheelset that DeGent was using. To read the statement in full, head to bikeradar.com or follow the link in the podcast description. The incident nevertheless raises questions about the safety of hookless rims for road bikes and why there is still an uncomfortable amount of grey area concerning the compatibility of different rims and tyres, which we discuss in this episode. Now, back to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Jack Luke, Bike Radar's deputy editor, and today I'm joined by wonderful colleague, esteemed friend, and all-round good guy, Simon Von Bromley, one of Bike Radar's senior technical writers. And today we're going to be talking through one of Simon's absolute favourite topics. Yes, it is rim and tyre tech. Your favourites. Yeah, absolutely love it. And this is kind of a topic that was really personal to me for a little while. If, if anyone's read my kind of long-term review of a giant TCR from a few years ago, it, it was one of the first bikes to come with kind of hookless rims as, as stock. And it was a real, like 
bugbear of mine because it was the kind of early days of hookless tech. And yeah, the kind of events of the last couple of weeks or so, I felt like we were kind of out of the woods with hookless <laughs> compatibility issues, but they've really reared their heads. Yeah. Hookless rims really are the gift that keep on giving if you're Simon Van Bromley because you can talk at length for it. But yes, as Simon's alluded to, hookless rims have been a topic of much debate in recent years. Manufacturers of carbon rims are increasingly adopting hookless rims, citing performance benefits such as lower weight, improved aerodynamics and reduced manufacturing complexity and therefore lower production costs, which in theory makes cheaper wheels, but not always. Uh, <laughs> last week, though, on stage five of the 2024 UAE Tour, Thomas de Ghent suffered a horrible, horrible high-speed crash, seemingly while just riding along. Following the incident, DeGent's bike was photographed standing by the side of the road, the tyre detached from the rim, tubeless sealant absolutely everywhere, and a broken Vittoria airliner tubeless insert tangled in the fork of his bike. Now, whether this was the consequence of the crash remains unclear, but many have pointed the finger of blame at DeGent's wheels, a set of Zip's 353 NSW wheels with which feature hookless rims. Now, as a reminder for those of you that aren't aware, Hookless rims are tubeless-ready rims that lack bead hooks at the sort of outer edge of the, the rim bed. The, those are protruding edges which generally are used to help retain a clincher or a tubeless tire bead. Now, thankfully, DeGent was uh, able to continue racing largely unscathed, but the incident has definitely raised a lot of questions. It's been talked about quite extensively in the media, including on BikeRadar.com in a wonderful written version of this podcast. That, well, I say a written discussion around this that Simon's put together. That's, of course, linked in the podcast description. But we're going to be going to a bit more depth about it today and just letting Simon really run free with one of his favorite topics. So anyway, let's just go to the very start of this, uh, this drama. The kind of biggest news is that after the crash happened, we've seen Adam Hansen and Dan Bigham, two very influential characters in the world of road racing, speak out. What have they said, Simon? What's what's going on? So Adam Hansen is the president of the CPA, which is the kind of riders union. And the day after the crash, he basically gave uh, an interview to Velo, the American media website. You may have heard it. I don't suggest visiting it. No. Get all your news from biteradar.com. <laughs> but, um, but he gave an interview to them and he basically said he was pretty unequivocal that he felt that De Gent had crashed because his tyre came off, the safety foam inside got caught in the fork and that locked up De Gent's front wheel. Now, you know, I've sort of watched the video footage back a number of times and unfortunately, you know, De Gent is on the inside He's being covered by other riders. It's on the inside of the road. You can't really see it, but you can definitely see the kind of, you know, the airliner does come out of the wheel in the middle of the crash, I think. But it, it, it's really hard to tell if that was the cause or a consequence. CSI Von Bromley peeping yeah. the pixels. Good grief. But in any case, you know, obviously, yeah, Hansen was, was fairly unequivocal about it. And then he basically the next day kind of tweeted a link to this interview where he said that, you know, the CPA the riders union is just is not happy with riders racing on hookless systems in the peloton and he went on to say that there have been concerns from riders and teams with this new system and then that was retweeted by dan bigham who's a performance engineer at team ineos grenadiers a former uci world hour record holder you know quite a big name in kind of you know modern road cycling also one of your most hassled contacts on whatsapp <laughs> i imagine <laughs> yeah but he said he just basically added history will not be kind to road hookless now as you kind of alluded to in the introduction, like almost every manufacturer is moving to, towards hookless rims at the moment. So for two kind of big names into sport to, to say things like that is, is pretty incendiary. And so it kind of, yeah, it raises the question, you know, are hookless rims unsafe for use in kind of, you know, professional road racing, but also just cycling more generally? Mm. So, you know, you've alluded to what we, we do know. 
But I think it's fair to say, even with your forensic eye, Simon, there's quite a lot we don't know about this situation. Yeah, I I think, you know, I I think for me, I'm more hesitant to ascribe a a reason for what happened. You know, it, it does appear that he basically has suffered a blow off. But it's not entirely clear what caused that, whether it was, you know, it just happened randomly for no for no reason, in inverted commas. You know, obviously, it happened for a reason, but do you know what I mean? Or whether he hit something that caused a sudden spike in pressure. You know, it's, it's kind of not clear. There's been a lot of speculation online about him potentially using an unsafe combination, you know, pre- tire pressures that were too high. But all of these things, you know, we don't, you know, we don't really know. Has DeGent said anything himself? So Degent De basically went to Twitter to say um, to ask if anyone had any images from from the race because he said I'd like to know what I hit, which obviously suggests that he thinks he hit something. Mm. But of course, you know, it happened at you know they're riding along a flat road in the UAE, <laughs> probably, probably like seventy k an hour. Like it, you know, yeah. it, it could it could have felt like he hit something when he actually didn't, but it was mm. just you know the tire blowing off the rim or whatever. So there is some footage of it from the Eurosport feed, but it's not. You know, it's it's not very conclusive, it, uh, and so it's just kind of not really clear. Now we do know that Degent was using uh, 28C Vittoria Corsa Pro TLR tires on a set of Zip uh, 353 NSW wheels, and he was also using a Vittoria airliner tubeless inserts. Uh, and you know, many of his teammates were running similar, if not identical, setups on the day. But I think, you know, beyond that. There's there's kind of like, you know, there's just a lot of questions, really. You know, we don't know if he's kind of suffered a puncture in the lead up or whether he hit something that caused a sudden spike in pressure that led to a blow up. You know, the tubeless insert is supposed to keep a tire on the rim in the event of a puncture. But it looks to me as if, you know, something has caused a tubeless liner to, to fail. Basically, normally those Victoria airliners are a kind of closed loop. Uh, they're glued together, you know, it's a kind of straight piece of foam and they're glued together. But obviously when it's out of the wheel, you can see that it's very clearly not a continuous loop. And so, you know, I don't want to kind of speculate too much, but that suggests to me that it's kind of, it, it's broken in a blow off mm. of a kind of violent blow off that has caused it to not be able to do its job. Whereas in a puncture, you know, the air's, lo- the tire's losing pressure, maybe it would have been okay, but, you know, we don't know. We also don't have details of against tire pressures, for example. You know, given their hookless rims, both Zip and Vittoria stipulate that a, a kind of maximum tire pressure of 72.5 psi or 5 bar, which is kind of the industry standard. You know, it's it's kind of, we could ask, oh, well, you know, we know that pros love rock solid tires. You know, maybe they were using uh, tire pressures that were too high. But like, I, I just don't, I just kind of don't really buy that. I think like, you know, the, the mechanics who work at the world tour level are incredibly experienced. And I just don't think that's a risk. That they, that they would take you know it's obviously not possible to rule it out because they could have a you know a, a track pump or an air or an air compressor that had gone out of spec for example you know we don't know ultimately you know they're in a kind of hot hot part of the world is it possible that the tires were inflated to kind of you know slightly less than the maximum pressure early in the day you know perhaps in the shade of a mechanics truck or something and then the tire heated up during the race like maybe but you know, I, none of the none of the kind of reports from the race mention like extreme heat. Yeah, which is what you would expect or require, I suppose, to exactly. raise the pressure sufficiently. Exactly. You know, because obviously the tire is being cooled by the wind as it's going through it as well. So you know, whilst the road may have been hot, there are you know, so I, that that seems unlikely. You know, I think yeah, my my kind of theory would be that I think he maybe hit an obstacle which caused a sudden spike in pressure, which led to a blow off, 
and cause the insert to fail. But ultimately, we don't know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. What have Vittoria and Zip had to say about the whole thing? What do they say about this particular combination? Yeah, so I think that's, you know, this is kind of where the kind of grey area starts to come in, in that, you know, so obviously the natural question is, well, maybe they were using an, un, an unsafe uh, combination of, of rim and tyre. You know, obviously with hookless rims, it's very important to match the tyre to the rim, right? Um, but Lotto Destiny told uh, Cycling News that they had, they had followed all the guidelines from the UCI, from Vittoria, from Zip and and indeed, you know, you can go on Zip's website right now and find that the 700 times 28C Vittoria Corsa Pro TLR is listed as officially compatible with Zip's 353 NSW rims. Right now, you know, obviously Zip's page does include a little line saying that the tire manufacturer is responsible for fitment on the rims because you know, obviously Zip can't take responsibility mm-hmm. for other manufacturers' tires, but. There's a big green tick next to this tire model on its website. And so, you know, from, from their point of view, this is an approved combination. Interesting. Okay. And then touching on what you said previously with the, the pump and so on, Dan Bigham had some quite interesting stuff to say what, around what he would consider the margin of error for a combination like this. Yeah. And, and so basically there's, there is an ISO standard that um, the kind of uh, the, the blow off test for a hookless rim, a tire on a hookless rim is to 110% of the maximum pressure. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I don't want to put words in Dan's mouth because he just said that he felt, uh, you know, someone, someone had replied to him and said, well, it's fine if you just stick to the ETRTO recommendations. And Dan, in response, said, um, you know, is it, I don't consider factors of safety as low as 1.1, fine, in inverted commas. Now, I, you know, I, I my kind of inf- inference of that is he's referring to this 110% maximum tire blow off thing he may you know he may not be in which case you know i apologize if i'm putting words in your mouth um but 
you know, 110% for a kind of a blow off is essentially, you know, you inflate a tire to 110% of the maximum rated pressure, which on a hookless rim would be 79.75 PSI or 5.5 bar, which is obviously 1.1 times 72 PSI or 5 bar. And, uh, you know, that effectively gives a rider a margin of error of sort of 7.25 PSI or 0.5 bar. Now, it is worth stressing that, you know, many wheel brands, you know, Giant, for example, do more rigorous, more rigorous testing than this. They go above and beyond. You know, Giant, for example, rates its own wheels and tires from its, you know, both from its Giant brand and Kadex brand up to 1.5 times the maximum pressure. And it also stipulates in its testing that it has that it has to be able to withstand that for 24 hours. Mm. So it's not just, you know, pump it up, see if it holds for five minutes and then go, you know, Bob's your uncle, we're done. And, you know, I have seen, I've searched around, I have seen that Zip, for example, says that its testing also goes above and beyond the required standards, but it doesn't kind of list any of those details in the same way, you know, on its website, for example, that that Giant does. So I think that's the kind of, that is the minimum required standard to meet the kind of current ISO standard, which, you know, like, at a glance is not a huge margin for error. No, not at all. Like, if you think about, let's say, uh, a track pump, that perhaps is nominally quite accurate, but it has a small scale that goes all the way from zero PSI up to, you know, track tubular days of 180 PSI or whatever. Like the actual scale, your ability to read or interpret that scale. Especially with my 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 eyes. <laughs> Milk bottle glasses Bromley over here. But like you could, I, I could easily go, maybe not quite as far as seven PSI, but not far off, really, but just by interpreting. I think a you know digital track pump, if it's accurate, less likely. But how do you know it's accurate? You know, it, it's yeah. All... Have you ever tested? Who's ever tested their track pump? I have. <laughs> I've got a really good digital topic one, and I kind of did it side by side with compared. To well, not video. everyone's as bougie as you, Jeff. Well, what can I say? Anyway, but your point stands. Like seven psi is not a great deal, and if you're setting up a team's what, how many bikes, twenty bikes in a day or whatever, like. It's human error, a bull, you know, yeah. Yeah, scary stuff. Yeah, it just kind of raises a lot of questions, especially as, you know, I've seen interviews with people like Josh Portner, for example, who's the CEO of Silka, where he says that, you know, older pumps uh, tend to be less accurate than newer ones just because of wear and tear. And so, you know, that kind of, you, you know, funnily, funnily enough, like, you know, I, I wrote I wrote about this in the feature and then someone replied saying, oh, you know, I think I think Dan is referring to this this blow off thing. And that's actually in our hookless rims guide. I just kind of missed it in the flurry to get this out uh, fast enough. But, yeah, you know, I, I hadn't kind of um, realized how small that potential margin for error is. And, and I think this kind of, you know, brings us to the to the kind of crux of the argument that there is an uncomfortable amount of like gray area and uncertainty here and you know whilst you know we've we've you know we kind of already discussed that zip and vittoria both approve this combination of a 28c tire on their 25 millimeter internal rim width 353 nsw wheel set the latest etrto and iso standards say that that isn't an approved combination and that actually the minimum required width for a 25 millimeter rim is now 29 millimeter mm. right no one makes a 29 millimeter tire. <laughs> you know, it, it's so racking the, my brain trying yeah. to prove you wrong. <laughs> you know, the, but it, but the kind of this is complicated by the fact that, you know, prior to 2023, when the ETRTO and ISO both updated their uh, recommendations or their standards most recently, it was an approved combination. Now, you know, Zip 
has obviously developed these wheels around 28C tires because it believes that's probably the kind of best balance of rolling resistance, weight, aerodynamics, for example. And so, I'm, and so I, I get the impression that it doesn't want to then say, oh, no, actually, we were wrong. We've been telling you to use an unsafe combination. And it's, you know, it says, it said this to Cycling News, so this is a quote, we know there have been enough wheel sets ridden in the past several years with the 28C tyres on 25mm rims to prove that the combination is safe and delivers many proven performance benefits. But it does go against what now, you know, the ETRTO, the European Rim and Tire Technical Organization, and the ISO, the International Standards Organization, say is safe. But I have seen other teams, you know, for example, I, I went to the Giro last year on a, on a press trip and I saw uh, Movistar using the same wheels with 28C Continental GP5000 tires. And obviously Lotto have been using them, you know, for, for quite a while with with no issues. But like... It's that classic thing of like, so Zip is saying it's safe, you know, but the ETRTO and the ISO are saying that it potentially isn't. Zip isn't the only brand. Envy, I believe, also has some 25 mil internal rim width wheels and they have approved some 28 c it's, it's a mess. I think this is the, like you really hit it there. It is a mess. From what is, from my perspective, I am inclined to trust the likes of Zip and Envy and others with their testing, likewise with Giant, because the consequences of it not being safe are so monumental that like I, I personally have trust in their testing protocol. I think the updated advice from the ETRTO and the ISO is probably a, is a positive thing, clearly. Like they've determined for whatever reason that this is, in fact, the, the safest combination. I think where consumers are disenfranchised is that they are automatically going to trust their wheel brands because the ISO and the ETRTO are not consumer-facing bodies at all. Like, years and years ago, we wrote a piece on the, like, state of hookless. This probably would have been, like, 2020, maybe Yeah, we've updated it since yeah. then, but that was the first time. I think it was, I think it would have been more like 2021, to be honest, because mm -hmm. it came about after my kind of giant, <laughs> giant stuff. <laughs> but picking that apart was quite a monumental task for us, um, and getting contact with the bodies was nigh on impossible. These since we have had like we've got good quotes from the TRTO and the updated version. But they're they're kind of you know their reports for example they're not just publicly available. Precisely, yeah. You have to buy them. They cost one hundred and seventy five quid. So you know the the freely available information comes from you know if you buy a set of Zip wheels you go to Zip's website to look at their hookless compatibility list. Yes, I think I think. It's all very complicated and it's a bit of a mess, but I think one thing that's worth caveat caveating with all of this is that we have definitely been here before. I think there's a bit of media hype, rightly. It's a pretty catastrophic crash. There's a lot of chat about this. Tubeless tech hasn't really fully 100% settled down as evidenced by all the stuff with um, uh, with hookless and compatibility and so on. But like this, this phenomena isn't unusual. Now, Simon, you you alluded to your grand old age in your piece, but like rolling tubs off of a rim would never have generated headlines really back in the day, but it used to happen fairly frequently. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I think it's fair to say it did generate headlines, but it not in the sense that people then said that tubular wheels and tires yes. should be thrown in the bin because they're horrendously <laughs> unsafe. You know, it was just like, well, this, this is an incident that happened. But yeah, like certainly... You know, before everyone kind of, well, not everyone, but before most of the teams moved over to, you know, tubeless systems or or otherwise, that you know, pros rolling tubulars was was a regular occurrence. You know, I think the famous 
uh, Lance Armstrong riding across a field thing mm-hmm. was, you know, obviously, you know, Yosiba Balocchi crashed in front of him. But if I'm right, I believe he rolled a tub and that's why he crashed. Mm-hmm. Now, I can remember kind of, I think maybe 2016 Tour de France, Wilco Kelderman rolled a tub. You know, come descending down the mountain. You know, this th- th- it's obviously, you know, for, so so tubular tires are glued onto the rims, right? And so on hot days, that glue can soften, and it was especially a problem basically once the introduction of carbon rims came in because carbon rims just weren't as good at managing heat as alloy ones. And so, you know, the kind of heat would get into the rim, it would soften the glue, the glue could roll off. I mean, you know, there was one like UAE tour or something, or, you know, or like Abu Dhabi tour years and years ago where it was like 45 degrees or something ridiculous. And the reports of the riders were saying basically like they wanted to stop the race because they could feel their tires coming off the rims. So, <laughs> I, my, you know, like my point is that we have seen issues with tires rolling off rims in professional cycling for for a really long time. And while hookless is a, it's a bit like the kind of rim versus disc brakes thing. I think hookless is getting the bad rap to to an extent because it's a brand new technology. You know, I think the kind of the thing is you have to look at the alternatives, right? Like if if everyone was running, say, clincher systems, you know, if you have a puncture of a clincher tire, the bead hooks won't help that tire stay on stay on the rim. No, ultimately, it's the, it's the, the tube inside which is doing the me- the mechanical process, I suppose, of actually holding it in place. Yeah, and and the same if you have you know a tubeless system on a hooked rim. Again, like if if you lose air pressure, there's there's nothing to stop that tire from kind of coming off the rim in the event of a puncture. Now, you know the kind of key thing there is like well, but you know, the hooks are a fail-safe. And then if you pair that with, say, a tubeless insert, you know, then you have kind of two potential fail-safes. And that probably is, you know, the kind of the safest, in inverted commas, option. But there's no kind of UCI rule that mandates everyone has to use tubeless liners, for example. And I don't think most teams are. You know, if we look back to Paris-Roubaix last year, which saw a number of kind of uh, tubeless failures, for example, um, there were failures with, you know, tyre dismountings on hooked rims as well from teams who weren't running inserts, for example, which, you know, you'd think Paris-Roubaix would be the, like the most obvious place, the most obvious race ever to run inserts, but some teams just don't want to do it. And we've spoken to lots of professional mechanics at the Tour and asked them if they're running inserts. They said no, because it's too much hassle. You know, they're difficult to fit. They soak up sealant, like they make getting tyres off a real pain. You know, I, I have sets of inserts at home that I don't use because I've tried to fit them and they're a pain, you know, like, yeah. so, but then, but now, but this, you know, this sort of thing has me reconsidering whether I should do it because, you know, the added safety of it is a potential, uh, you know, obviously peace of mind. But as we've seen with this crash, you know, an insert, it's not a cure-all solution. They, they obviously have their limits as well, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of 40 grams of foam, <laughs> it, you know, like, also, like, am I right in saying as well, with most road tyre inserts, they don't really... So in ma- the mountain biking world, there's different schools of thought, but, like, big, chunky inserts play a mechanical role in the tyre. Like, they will actually touch the sidewall, improve stability, protect the rim from bashes. In a road tyre... Uh, sorry, road tubeless tyre insert, certainly the Victoria Airliner, they compress as the tyre is inflated and, and uh, decompress expand if there is a puncture giving giving sort of like more volume almost to the tire kind of maintaining pressure but also yes helping to hold it in the the um in place but it's not like it's not like pushing the sidewalls out is it no so i think victoria so so victoria's design for its airliner road is quite a clever one in a sense that the idea that it compresses is so that it doesn't specifically so that it doesn't touch the sidewalls 
when it's uh yeah when when the tire is inflated and the idea is that that then means it doesn't add any rolling resistance because obviously that's a key kind of thing that you know people care about in road cycling but yeah that means it's not kind of supporting the tire sidewall or kind of protecting the rim unless you have you know a loss in air pressure that causes it to expand now there are other brands you know say you know tubo light for example or you know there, there may be maybe others now which don't compress and may offer may touch the sidewalls and offer some level of support but you're right like they're not the kind of big chunky boys you put in your kind of you know downhill mountain bike tires mm-hmm. for example then they're, they're, they're just not designed to do that they're really a kind of like run flat solution if you know what i mean like the idea is it's that you know if you have a puncture it's to just you know stop the tire instantly folding off the rim the moment you have a puncture but yeah they're not you know, there are naturally there are limitations to the amount of the amount of force a forty gram piece of foam can exert on your tire. Simon, what's next? What's next for pro riders? Is there going to be any sort of fallout from this with the CPA and for our wonderful listeners? Maybe Degens amongst them. You know, what 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 does this mean for consumers as well? Is there going to be a bit of a bubbling over of a hookless question again, or is this an isolated incident? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I think what's concerning is that this has basically reintroduced or, or kind of like, you know, rekindled the fire on all of the kind of compatibility questions that we had around hookless rims a couple of years ago. You know, it seemed like everything was kind of calming down as basically all the wheel manufacturers, you know, said we're doing hookless because it's, you know, but we want, we want to. And so all the tire manufacturers had to react and say, ah, okay, well, we better develop, uh, you know, hookless compatible tires then, I suppose. Uh, and it felt like, you know, certainly every every tire that we tested in, in our kind of rolling resistance test last year uh, offered compatibility with hookless rims up to the, you know, 72.5 PSI slash five bar limit. So, you know, it felt like all the major options from all the kind of major manufacturers were officially compatible. The wheel manufacturers were sticking, you know, both wheel and tire manufacturers were sticking to the kind of ETRTO slash ISO standards. You know, it was kind of all going to be fine as long as you kind of stuck within those those kind of predefined limits. And and to an extent, that's been true. You know, you know many here at Bike Radar, including myself, uh, have hookless rims and continue to use them and have ridden them. You know, our, our colleague Warren. Uh, tested the Zip 353 NSW wheel set a couple of years ago and he paired them with 28C tires and didn't suffer any issues. I think the issue is, is that that alone, and I think this kind of, you know, kind of echoes Zip's thing where Zip said, well, you know, we know they're safe because loads of riders have used them. You know, that alone doesn't prove that they're safe really. And, you know, because just, just as one crash in a, in a road race in UAE doesn't prove they're kind of not safe. Because we don't know, you know, ultimately we don't know what caused the crash and we don't know if, say, Warren, when he tested the wheels, was just lucky to not have any incidents that caused that kind of margin for error to be tested, if you know what I mean. And and, and I think the real problem is that we've got now got a situation and this has kind of been, you know, it, it it already existed, I suppose, and people reported on it when you know, the ETRTO and ISO updated their standards last year, but we now have a situation where a major wheel manufacturer, you know, and, and Zip is, you know, one of the kind of most progressive wheel manufacturers in road cycling. They're certainly one of the most noteworthy, you know, one of the most visible in the world tour. 
is providing conflicting information yeah. on safety and compatibility to the major standard bodies, the ETRTO and the ISO, right? And, and like, I and I and I just think that that just shouldn't be happening. Yeah, for such a like safety critical interface, we'll call it. Yes, it, it's it's kind of wild that we have reached this point and we need some kind of agreement as to what is and isn't safe. But it's so difficult though, because how, how can you possibly, like, for one thing, it's going to have to be some voluntary system. Like, let, let's imagine there's a database, big international database of all the safe wheel and tire combinations. First off, it'd have to be voluntary, which will never work because you can guarantee that brands, like Giant's a great example. If they're, if what they believe to be safe is so wildly different from Zwift. Well, they're never going to play ball from Zwift. Sorry, from Zip. <laughs> they're never going to play ball with the standards because why would they? You know, they're sort of taking, in their view, a step backwards. Whereas Zip would say, "Well, Giants being excessive." I don't know whether they would say that, but you know, what I mean? like it. Yeah, there's very yeah. differing demands on what people would view as safe. So I, I just can't see a way forward where we'll have some sort of central. I don't know central database of the safe things but then if we're going to rely on the standards instead fine that's how everything's done in cycling well how do we account for these sort of retrospective changes in this particular circumstance with the 28 or 29 rather being the approved tire width for this type of rim hmm yes i think there's not been a great deal of transparency here yeah, and I, and I think that's kind of the problem in the sense that, like I said, you know, I know I can t I can give you details about Giant's test protocol, for example, because it publishes it on its website. But not every brand does that, you know. NV and Zip have have kind of published tire compatibility charts, but they don't really tell you how they've arrived at at those things, other than sort of saying, yeah, you know, the kind of spec of this tire matches what we say is fine for our tire you know it's, so it's not it's not entirely clear whether and maybe you know, maybe they have tested every single tire on that list but i haven't looked at it and then come away entirely confident that they have tested every single tire on that list to a really rigorous standard for example maybe they have if if they have they should shout about it more mm. you know i i've kind of written about this topic at length uh, a number so of times <laughs> it's a much to the delight of my editors no we love it i think <clears> you've <throat> probably put as much effort into replying to comments about this as you have right penning great wit for the website <laughs> yeah uh, and i think you know my my takeaway is like almost like the same as it was back when this all started that like i can really see the benefits of hookless for wheel manufacturers you know and i've spoken to a number of of, of manufacturers you know like zip and hunt and other people who have all said that there is a kind of like an efficiency saving in the sense that it's easier to make it's less complex to make hookless rims but that also enables them to make rims that are more uniformly round you know they stick to the standards better and so you know there, there kind of are potential gains for the rider as well in terms of like aerodynamics lower weight zip also says that it can pass on some costs but I think ultimately, the, the the gains for the manufacturers feel far more tangible than the gains for the riders still. And and I think like you know it's a bit like with the Shimano kind of crankset recall, we're all just kind of still like left in the dark a little bit as to you know whether the the kind of equipment that you know we potentially may have may 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 own or we consider buying is definitively kind of safe to use. And, and how it should be used in order to be safe, right? 
obviously like no brand can ever say something will never mm-hmm. fail that's 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 just like not possible fantasy yeah absolutely but i think like the cycling industry yeah i i think we're so far you know we're so far down the path of hookless now that if they were to if the cycling industry was to kind of step back from it it would be a major a major change but there are certainly some brands who haven't you know gone there at all you know DT you swiss yeah exactly you spoke to dt swiss recently didn't you yeah they they so i met them at a trade show and we've had previous comment from them in our hookless explainer which we'll link in the description there's, there's good comment and quotes from them but they just reiterated when i spoke to them on monday past that um from them their design philosophy not just in relation to hookless is is about safety they're more than anything else they are concerned with the safety of their products and in the case of hookless they view that there's so many variables that are outside of their control they are not tire manufacturers they can't control what people are doing in regards to tire pressures or whatever that they view the um the downsides of hookless to be too great a risk and they're quite keen to stress that like risk because they don't want riders to be hurt risk because they you know, they want to maintain their brand reputation, but also just like from a purely legal perspective, like it's not a risk they were willing to to take. It's very interesting insight. Not it's not the sexiest thing in the world to be like we market our products on being safe, but for them that's what they view mm. as, as the most important thing. I don't think they were inferring like they were keen as well to stress that they're not saying that other wheels are unsafe. It's just from their priorities as a brand and what they want to do and what they want to accomplish that margin of error or rather a kind of um, increasing that margin for error in their wheels was something they viewed as quite important, which is why they've retained hooks. Yeah, and, and I think as I think you know, to return to your comment, as you said earlier, is that this, and this is kind of part of the problem, is that every brand is taking their own approach to this. You know, we've, we've spoken about Giant a lot in, in, in this podcast, you know, even though they're kind of not involved in this incident. But like, it, it's because obviously I had a Giant bike and it had, giant hookless rims on it and you wrote thousands and thousands, 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 thousands of, words. of words on it but they've taken a kind of like system approach where they decided to develop their own hookless rims alongside their own tires and so you know to dt swiss's point that they are not a tire manufacturer you know giant is now a tire manufacturer along with kind of its subsidiary brand kdex or sister brand i should say but that doesn't apply to, to every brand and so yeah most most wheel manufacturers do not make tires and they're therefore not in control of what tires consumers put on their rims which is what has led the likes of zip and envy and other hookless wheel manufacturers to kind of produce these compatibility lists but yeah i don't know i mean like it's it's really tricky um Let, let's go back to the cpa quickly what do you think is going to be the fallout from the professional peloton because like while they do have influence um they're not people buying this stuff. So do you think the CPA friction will increase or do you think it'll sort of fizzle out? I think it'll fizzle out. Ultimately, like the riders are going to have to use what their sponsors pay them to. So, you know, I, I think obviously there is, you know, the riders are always going to be raising concerns. And and of course, like, you know, power to the union. If, if, if people have concerns about workplace safety, they should absolutely raise them, you know. Um, but we did have this with disc brakes as well, right? Yeah, it's very true. And like I from said, from the CPA as well. Yeah, from the CPA. And, and like I said, I don't. I'm not entirely sure what it's. It's. It's one thing to say that you know we shouldn't be using hookless hookless rims, uh, and you know and tubeless systems. But kind of like you know the alternative is tubulars that a lot of pros really wanted to keep. <laughs> like like I said, you know they they already had they are they had also their own they had their own problems. You know some teams are running clinchers 
for example, still in the Tour de France and the World Tour, you know, uh, Quickstep and, and most other specialized sponsored teams run uh, the Roval Rapide CLX wheels with their turbo cotton clinchers. You know, those those can also suffer blow-offs. You know, unless the UCI is going to mandate the use of uh, tubeless inserts and hooked rims, which, you know... Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Maybe that's not a bad idea, but like... But it still doesn't solve the problem, does it? It's, it feels like a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. I'm, I'm not being dismissive in any way. Of course, he's bloody, you know, riding so fast. Yeah. The consequences and, and are it massive. Is, and it is Adam Hansen's job, ultimately, to look after the interest of pro riders, not the interest of sponsors and manufacturers. Completely. But I think you're right. In The solution isn't clear because there isn't a catch-all solution that will make riding safe unless they just bin off riding outdoors and they all turn to Zwift. <laughs> Maybe that's the solution. No, I'm being I'm being flippant. I, I, I'm going to watch this one with great interest. It's a topic we revisit very frequently because there is lots to say. There's also twists and turns in the in the road towards road tubeless domination. I'm sure there'll be plenty more to come. I think one last thing I would say as well is that, you know, this, this article, which we only published kind of yesterday lunchtime, has already had 34 comments on it. Now, admittedly, 50% of those is me replying to people. <laughs> <laughs> but but there is a real sentiment that uh, people, consumers or riders are very kind of sceptical about the benefits of uh, hookless rims and they are concerned about the safety of them. You know, I've already had a few comments from people saying, I use XX and X. Mm. You know, is that safe? And, and ultimately, obviously, I can't tell them. I can tell them that, you know, according to the brand's website, this is or isn't an approved, you know, I used to have people come in and say, oh, I use GP5000 TLs on hookless rims all the time. It's fine, man. And I had to stress, like, please don't. Please don't. They specifically please say don't. don't. You know, so I can, I can tell you whether it, it is on an approved list or not, but I can't tell you whether it's safe. So it, people are really concerned about this. And the, and the bike industry has a real job on its hands. If this is something that it wants to do, there's, there is a big mountain to climb to convince people that there are tangible benefits for riders, not just cost savings for manufacturers, because I think that's the impression that a lot of people have been left with. And I know we live in a kind of like world of conspiracy theories where like, you know, because of, you know, social media, it's kind of, it's very easy for people to say on social media and, and, and YouTube and TikTok or whatever that like, oh, the industry is just out to scam you. You know, I saw one comment that said, you know, I, I don't even know if the people who design this stuff even ride bikes anymore. Well, I can, you know, I, I, I do yeah, know that foolish. the people who, who design bicycles are all in the bike industry for the love of bikes. No one is getting rich off designing, <laughs> <laughs> off designing bikes, really. Yeah. So, like... We, years ago, Joe and I, previously of Bike Radar, we did a video on, like, X secrets about the cycling industry. And one of our key things was, like, oh, everyone's really nice, by the way. Like everyone's actually a cyclist and they really like bikes and they're just as big a nerd as you. Um, I thought, yeah, that this sort of... It's not to say they don't ever make mistakes, right? Or they don't ever push things that are maybe in the in the long run turn out not to be great, you know, for example. Like I, we can all think of hidden rim brakes that didn't really slow the bike down, for yeah. example, but like but had a good aerodynamic uh, profile. But but yeah, I don't, I don't think there is a conspiracy to push... You know, to scam cyclists in by pushing hookless rims on them, no matter what the safety implications. Because yeah, like ultimately, like you know, this could be disastrous for a brand's reputation if it turns out that you know Zip has gone all in on hookless. 
on its carbon rims, for example. And if it was to have to backpedal and, and, and it turns out that actually all the hookless rims it sold, ooh, we now think they're unsafe. You know, that would be absolutely disastrous. And, and, I, and I don't, to be happen. clear, it won't happen. I don't, because I don't think, you know, there's not going to be a, a zip hookless rim recall. No, and like, think of all the people who are riding, then it's completely fine. You know, it, yeah. I think lots to talk about, lots of genuine concern, a lot of work to be done by rim and tire manufacturers. I dare say possibly the ETRTO and ISO as well. I, I realise their job is not to be a consumer-facing body, but where changes are being rolled out, maybe that needs to be communicated better. But there's going to be more to come, for sure. Yeah, there, I, think there, I, think, I think that's the kind of only thing that we can really say for sure, is that I, f- I think there is going to be more to come on this topic. Uh, so yeah, keep heading to biteradar.com. Well, well, well. Uh, Simon, thanks very much. As ever, you've been a a, a wonderful font of knowledge and one of your pet topics. And I do really implore you to read Simon's version of this. It's a good balanced piece that kind of considers all aspects of of this drama. And the comments are really good too. I think you'll get a good sense for what's important and perhaps what we'll be discussing in future podcasts. In the meantime, if there's any topics you'd like us to discuss in relation to Wheel and Tire Tech, Simon is on speed dial. I will have him in this podcast studio quicker than you can send an email through to podcast at bikegrader.com with your suggestions. It's one of our favorite things to do. Um, We love hearing your ideas, suggestions, feedback. And if you do have any feedback and it's positive, why not convert that into a wonderful five-star rating for our podcast if you think we deserve it. Simon. Good luck riding your hookless wheels on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, do have a set of I do have a set of hookless wheels at home, and I, they're on my gravel bike currently, so which are kind of like lower pressure application. You'll be fine. But I think I'm going to put some inserts in them. Good, good stuff. Thank you very much for listening. We'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends, or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 